This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, Sports cars and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. Final inspection show. Steve Zadke playing with our headphones. Yeah, yeah. On the air with the Polish pipe. I'm Jeff Orlowski. Hello. And joining us in studio, the prodigal son himself from RacingNation.com, John Wiedemann. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. You you bought your own headphones. I did. Yeah. Well, give me those headphones over there. All right. We were playing. This is like a, we we're like, playing like, headphones. Like a quick roulette. driver change between the shows. It is. And we're definitely not Team Penske in here. Let's try this. We're about five laps down now. <laughs> At least. At least. So, did anything happen this week in racing? No. no. Boring Daytona 500, you know, no, no real news coming out of it. How about that? We're going to talk about that. We had a big show coming in today. Of course, we're going to talk with uh, Dennis Michelson uh, from frontstretch.com. We're also going to talk to uh, Eddie Lapine at the end of the hour. 
because there is a, a podcast. It's a podcast, but it's on video too. Video slash podcast with uh, Nate Ryan. Did you guys see it? No, did not. See, I shouldn't have should sent it to you guys. It is so good. I love Kyle Petty. I know he rubs some people the wrong way, and but he's got he he doesn't have his his filter is not as dense as the other filters on the people that cover NASCAR. So he kind of speaks his mind a little bit. He brought up some excellent points. I want to talk to that with with Eddie later because um, there's some interesting things. And, and uh, you know, we're all happy that Ryan Newman is walking around this week. Yep. But it, it, it was it was pretty scary. And there's there, there's some there's some uh, subjects that need to be just talked about. So we'll be talking about that in the first hour. Second hour, we're going to talk with Guy Hobbs, uh, who I believe we had on the show many years ago. Uh, we're going to be talking IndyCar racing with, with Guy Hobbs. Looking forward to that. So And then we have our three questions with Larry. We'll be doing that in the second half of the second hour. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. Full show today. And uh, Jeff, give me just give me a – well, here, here's one thing. Um, I thought it was interesting with, with, the fin- with everything, of course, that happened with the Newman crash and everything else. But I don't want to say it's fitting, but if one guy had a win – and be totally ignored. Who better than Denny Hamlin? <laughs> I mean, that's not a that's not a rip against Denny Hamlin, but he won it last year, so he won it again. It's his third time he's won the race, right? So it's like, okay, well, you know, you know, okay, Denny Hamlin win. I mean, Denny Hamlin, okay, good guy, you know, but he doesn't really move the 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 fan meter at all. And so, I mean, if there, if there is a better guy to win the race, a race like that, who better than Denny Hamlin? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, you're you're happy that it was Denny and not a first-time winner, uh, somebody who would, you know, uh, say it was uh, Matt D. Benedetto or somebody or, that— Or Ryan Blaney, who yeah, caused a crash, let's, let's be honest. You know, that um, would deserve the full spotlight, and you'd feel bad for him because of a wreck that, that took away the spotlight from, from an amazing Daytona 500 win. Uh, you know, that being said, you know— the Newman crash, you know, I don't blame any of the drivers. No. You know, it's on NASCAR. You know, this is what they want with the restrictor plates. You know, you used to have the plates where they would run, you know, uh, the high line, the low line, and you'd be side by side. Half the time you'd be three wide uh, for 200 laps. And then uh, they got away from that. They tried a year or two of the tandem racing. They didn't like that. And so now... We're in the manufacturer racing, and uh, where all the Chevys line up together, all the Fords, all the Toyotas, they all are on their own strategy, doing their own thing until the end, and all hell breaks loose. You know, this is what NASCAR has designed for themselves on these super speedways. And, you know, Daytona 500, Great American Race, I thought, you know, the pre-race was way too long. The race started too late. Um, it was very cool, you know, with Trump there and everything like that. I don't care what your party affiliation is, you know, to have the president there and, and all that was, was very, very cool and uh, and a hell of a moment. But, um, you know, this is what NASCAR, uh, this is what they wanted. And, uh, 
you know, they're going to end up paying a price because they got lucky, uh, you know, that less than two two full days after it happened, Newman walked himself out of the hospital. John? Yeah, I mean, they're pushing this every single time. Every single race, every single super speedway plate race ends the same. You know, they race all this time. They may have a, a, a big wreck in between or something like that, but once they get to the end, it takes forever to finish the race. Two cars spin out. They throw a caution. It takes 20 minutes for them to get going again. They bunch up, and half a lap later, there's two more cars spinning out wrecking. And then you have, you know, this type of finish. And I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy plate racing at all. I don't want to see that type of thing. I don't want to be hitting Twitter all night to seeing what's going on got going on with, with a mm-hmm. driver. You know, when you have an incident like this, I don't want that. I don't, at this point, I don't want Ryan Newman to ever race again because the win was a picture of him walking out right. of the hospital with his two daughters. That's the win. He never needs to race again, as far as I'm concerned. There's no checkered flag that's going to be better than that. And I don't want to see my drivers, I don't care if I like them or not, whoever it is, I don't want to see drivers in a sport that I'm watching be in this type of situation. I know if I talk to Steve way, way back, you know, it used to be drivers getting killed and stuff all the time, you know, but it's not that way anymore. So let's not push it. Let's not have just these dumb take forever finishes in plate racing. I don't really need to watch plate races anymore. There's a, I mean, before the accident, you know, I'm, I'm following the race on Twitter and doing all the, th- the stuff that you do nowadays when you watch a race. And it was a cute little a meme of a, you know, restrictor plate racing timeline. There's a graph there, you know, let's say one to 10 and, you know, one to five is, is, is the first 90% of the race. And then six through 10 is the last 10% of the race because that's the restrictor plate racing timeline. Yeah. John's right. I mean, it, it's, it, it's like. You better ex- extend that when you're if you're taping it. Don't don't do the uh, you know thirty minutes over. You better do the one hour or one the three uh, hours because <laughs> this thing could get uh, you know could get hairy and yeah it, it's it, it's frustrating and I've I've said you know I said on the show last year I said you know if if they're not careful they're gonna kill a guy and how it's gonna happen is gonna be a car upside down and another car coming. And when I saw that, I was like, I, I wish I, there's a part of me that wish I didn't say that, but there's a part of me that wants to say, I told you so. You guys can't be just, you know, this is when you're racing guys, you know, Daytona and Talladega, you're, you're racing 200 miles an hour. And, you know, they, they talk about Michigan, you know, they're going two two ten, but then they're slowing down when they're going into turns a little bit. But the Daytona and Talladega, you're at that constant maximum velocity that they had set. And right. It's like, you know, they they have not addressed it. Um, but I want I want to talk. We'll, we'll we'll talk more about the 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 restrictor play race in the second half of this uh, first hour. But yeah, there, there's a lot of layers to this onion. And you know, you see NASCAR. Uh, I'll just tease a little bit. Kyle Petty brought up an interesting point. It can't be just NASCAR saying this, though. It has to be. There's there's three parts. It's the drivers, owners, and NASCAR. And he, I want to play the the. I'll find it on on the thing. I sent you the link. We'll play it in the second half of this first hour. His this little tidbit where he talks about that. It makes a lot of sense because, you know, and there's there's so many things he brought up. I mean, first of all, like with the cars. You know, ten years ago they had 
Daytona USA, and and whenever they would talk to the guy uh, at at July, you know, he'd say, oh, "I wish I had that car from because that was my that's my that's our good restrictor plate car. It was all clean. They don't say that anymore because by the time they cross the finish, finish line, they're all bashed up mm-hmm. from slamming into each other for two hundred laps. You know, so I mean, something something needs to be done now. Uh, We'll we'll see what happens, but let, let, let's take a quick break here. We're going to talk more coming up on the final inspection show. Big show today. We're going to be talking Vegas. We'll be talking Daytona. We'll be talking Ryan Newman. We'll be talking some IndyCar stuff and a lot more coming up next on the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Jeff Orlowski and joining us in studio, John Wiedemann from RacingNation.com. I'm Steve Zotke. So we're in Vegas this weekend, and the number six car, Roush Fenway car, has a new driver. A new driver. And uh, who is it? Well, it's the guy who thought he was playing iRacing last week at Daytona. Yes, Ross Chastain, who made, who at that, who... I made a post on Facebook. I said, uh, "I've seen I've seen kamikaze pilots make <laughs> better moves than that." I, I mean, to make a move like that and take out you know how many cars he took out. I guess it's frustrating for somebody like me, and not only me, but I always bring up you know for us in the Upper Midwest, we, our racing up here is different from that, where it is down south. You know, we were, we were raised on the, even though he's from Arkansas, uh, Mark Martins, the Alan Kowickis, the you know, the Dick Trickles who raced clean. They made a pass. They didn't just crash into people. Whereas down south, it's it's a rougher way. And, uh, we, you know, we've it, it, it's generally known because a lot of those guys worked on their own cars. So if they wrecked it, they had to fix it. So Ted Musgrave's another one, you know. You know who races dirty? Let me tell you this. And he's joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, the dirtiest driver I know, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Steve. Man, what's happening? What's happening to this show that I used to host with Summer Santana? What what has happened? You you two guys have become old. I mean, old. Zaki and Wiedemann, the old couple. No, we're not saying that. We're saying that it's how they race it. I understand. You got to show a little bit of respect for the drivers. I I get it. I understand. Listen, as soon as those tracks stop getting ratings, then you'll stop seeing them. As long as those tracks are still must-see races for the casual fan, they're not going anywhere. You could argue they probably should add more to the schedule than get rid of them at the end of the day. Remember back when we were talking about the schedule? And we were talking about, well, we should open in Daytona and end in Daytona. And the only reason that we've agreed that they shouldn't end in Daytona is because it's kind of a crapshoot because of all the wrecks and everything else. But from NASCAR's standpoint, they can't be getting rid of restrictor plate races and going away with that. What are you going to do, add more boring road course races for everybody to fall asleep watching in the afternoon? 
I mean, that, that, to me, it's just, there's just no way. Now, look, the Ryan Newman thing, yes, I was scared. I thought he was dead, too, like everybody else, no doubt. But that is how you're going to, that's how, that's how it's going to be sold. That's how it's going to work. People watch NASCAR, the, the people that aren't diehard NASCAR fans like you two guys, watch it for the wrecks. That's what they watch it for. And if there aren't wrecks and something going on, they get bored, turn it off, make fun of the sport, and never come back. That's, uh, that's, just, that's just the truth of the situation right now with how that sport is, is viewed, I think, from everybody. All right, Sparky, I, I get that, that that's the exciting thing of it, but that's not what I want to see. I want to see racing, and that isn't racing. I want to follow certain drivers, and you can have your driver taken out in, in like lap five by no fault of his own. It's not racing. I don't, I don't see the guys just it's, – it's just – it's basically a, 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 a roulette wheel, and either your time is up or it's not. And for Newman, his time was almost up this time. No I got. Doubt. That's exactly what it is, and that's why people. Sparky. Want. That that's exactly what it is. Two two of the most iconic finishes in the Daytona 500 is 1976 and 1979. 1976, you have Pearson and Petty, two of the legends in racing, battling mano a mano. There wasn't a pack behind them, so when those two guys crashed, they just went into the infield. They didn't get drop kicked by somebody. The second one is, of course, 1979. You got Kelly Arbor and Donnie Allison fighting at it, and the same thing. There are two guys fighting mano a mano. People want to see close racing, but we don't necessarily have to see thirty cars packed up. We can have well, two, three, remember? four, five cars. They were well, kind of, they were kind of, yeah, they were kind of uh, spread out a little bit at the but end see, there. But remember, we used to have packs of two racing with each other. That's how we solved the pack race. That oh, was dumb too. We're just going to draft. We're, everybody's going to go in pairs, and that's how we're going to try and get around this place. And that ended up being a fiasco. And nobody wanted to watch that. So. Back we go. We're going to add an uh, extra 100 horsepower and see what happens. Well, you saw what happened. And NASCAR was talked about for two, three days. Now, positively, probably not necessarily positively because of what happened to Ryan Newman. It turned out to be okay because, as John pointed out, Ryan Newman walks out of the hospital with his two kids, and everything is fine. All I'm saying is I get what you guys are saying. I get it. Like You don't want to see anybody die or anything like that. But the roulette aspect of how long will my driver survive? How far can my driver get? Can he be one of the last five or six standing? That whole aspect, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, is why those TV ratings are normally higher than most of the other races. No, those TV ratings are high because those fans are expecting to see somebody die. That's Mm -hmm. what they're looking for. No, I don't think anybody's expecting to see anybody die. I don't think that's it. I think people are tuning in to see the big wrecks. 10, 15 cars are involved in a wreck, and there's stuff flying all over the place. That's what they're tuning in to see. I don't think anybody tunes in at the Daytona 500 going, boy, I hope I see somebody die today. I don't think that's what it is at all. But but they are tuning in to see wrecks without question. And those races where you don't have wrecks and you're just driving around in circles for three hours, those are the races that a lot of those fans could care less about. But as a series, that's not sustainable if, if you're wrecking cars constantly and guys are getting hurt. Who got hurt in that race outside of Newman? Well, it looks like Newman didn't get hurt either, so. Yeah. (laughs) Right, because of the safety of the cars. And the reason all those people died back in the day that we were talking about was because they didn't have all the safety involved today. And, in fact, I tweeted out uh, after that Newman incident and said, if it wasn't for Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s death, he's probably dead right now because you didn't have all these huge safety advancements like they've had here in the past decade or so 
it was only happened because of the senior death. If Dale Earnhardt Sr. was still alive and that did not happen, I don't believe safety would be anywhere close to where it is today, and Ryan Newman probably would have died. Well, what's interesting is about ten years, eight, eight, nine years ago, Ryan got into a wreck at Talladega, and once again, a car almost got into the cockpit, and they added what they call the Newman bar, and that's right. probably what saved them in this case. Yep, that's another good point. Absolutely. All right, boys, that was fun. I just wanted to call and check in because you had me all fired up listening. To Missed you. talking okay. to you. You're always right. welcome on on on, on your show. <laughs> I know. Final second. It, it was it was our show with Summer, yes. myself, and. Stocky and Weedman, and then Orlowski came in and kicked us all to the curbs like a death Yeah, yeah, blame me. Blame yep, me. It was all Orlowski's fault. <laughs> all right, boys. Have a good one. All right. You thank too. you. And that was Sparky on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. So, Jeff, is is... Is Ford sending a good message by rewarding Ross Chastain by putting him in the six car, or is are we just not who who is there just nobody else they want to put in that car other than him at this point? You know, I think there's nobody else that they that they want to put in. You know, um, he he's done well in in the lesser series, and this gives him some uh, some experience. So. You know, it seems like he's going to be one of the next man up in the Ford camp. So you might as well get him some laps. Um, you know, whether what he does is... is Did you it, see that move at Daytona? How bad was that move? It was bad. That was an iRacing move. Yeah. I, I, I think all of us have made... A, you'll know there's a NASCAR Thunder in that and those other games. That's the kind of move you make. A lot of times on purpose. Right, yeah. <laughs> if you get spun out by somebody you're bad, you're trying to make your way through, and you're just, I'm going to just take out guys now. I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad, but, you know, um, who else are you going to put in there? Well, you know, I was thinking, I'm thinking, who are they going to put in a six car? And to be honest, there wasn't no excellent opportunity for driver X. There right. wasn't nobody like that. Right. You know, they're, they're scraping. They're scraping. They're not at the bottom of the barrel because they still have him, but they're pretty damn close. John, what do you think? I mean, I, I think, you know, these kids, you kind of brought it up before, they don't work on their own cars, and they, they probably haven't their whole entire career. You know, maybe maybe first when they're running, karting, doing karting, they, they were putting wheels on or something like that. But, you know, there isn't that respect for – for the machine, there isn't that respect. They maybe not don't even understand how the whole thing works. They just hop in, put the helmet on, and go. Um, so, and there is, and that's how they learn is eye racing. That's that's all they do, and they crash and they just hit reset and go again. You know, kind of thing. Um, and they're all trying to quickly make a name for themselves. So they are going to make bold moves at the wrong time. You know, because they're they're just trying to get that win, trying to trying to do whatever it takes to do that, and. I don't care about the results unless I can get that win and, and, and do it that way. So I think it's just a it's just there's no working your way up anymore. It's get yourself seen, get yourself in that ride, which he actually did this weekend, and this could actually propel him. You know, otherwise you're forgotten. I mean, we could just go through the names of where's Dylan? What is it? What's what's Steve's name? Dylan Kowalski. Kowalkowski, that guy? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they, they brought him up as, as as a past winner. It's like, where is he now? You know, there's a whole bunch of kids. There's, there's a guy uh, who does YouTube videos who does uh, NASCAR busts. 
Yeah. And on and some of them are kind of I don't I wouldn't really particularly call this guy a bust. It just didn't work out or whatever for whatever reason. But he's on there, and there's a few others, and a few others. I'm like, oh yeah, I totally forgot. Or forgot about exactly. I, I always wanted to do a thing on the 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 trash heap of driver developmental drivers that was uh, occurring in the late '90s, in the early 2000s, and into the into the teens, and it was just a trash heap, and it was really a sad situation because usually what happened is you had a young young and up and coming driver coming up through whether it was late models or on the USAC side with the USAC midgets and uh, uh, sprint cars and that, they was signed, you know, especially Chip Ganassi was good at just sign this guy, lock this guy into a two, two or three year contract at a decent amount of money. And then it would just sit. And then they give the guy like five or six stock car races a year. That's not a way to develop a driver. Right. And I've always said the biggest problem with a lot of these guys, especially on the open wheel side, they don't have enough track time. They, they, they're, they're, you know, I always said this. The, the biggest problem with Marco Andretti is that he just never got behind the wheel enough. You know, you look at somebody like uh, uh, Larson or Christopher Bell and these guys. These guys are racing all the time, mm-hmm. and you need that track time. Well, yeah, and you got you know NASCAR eliminating uh, practice. You know, at, at different tracks all over. You know, you can't you can't go and test anymore uh, anywhere. So you know they keep limiting it even more. So these guys are even more green, you know, along with not working on their own car and not being responsible for fixing some of their own mess when they cause stupid wrecks. As the purse strings start to tighten in NASCAR and as we get this next TV deal that's going to just completely chop their legs out from underneath them uh, money wise, I would not be surprised if new drivers start to have like penalties where if you sit there and cause a blatant, obvious wreck that's your fault, uh, you know, um, you know Juan Pablo Montoya running into the uh, jet dryer, <laughs> you know, something like that, where you're going to be docked, you know, 5 or 10% of your pay to help cover the cost of the car. Because as much as NASCAR says they're trying to save these teams money, every year the price of the car goes up and up and up and up and up and up. And so, you know, until they start putting either financial, uh, you know, restrictions on these guys where these guys are going to have to start divvying up and, uh, and you know, pitching in towards, uh, towards the price of the car, or until, you know, these teams wake up and say, you know, grab a wrench or a hammer and beat this dent out, uh, you know, not, not a lot's going to change. Because like you said, you know, you get in a wreck, uh, the iRacing guys, you hit reset, you're on the track. You get in a wreck. Oh well, we'll get them next week. I'll have a brand new car then. That's a good point. Let's take a uh, quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk to Dennis Michelson from FrontStretch.com and uh, talk more NASCAR coming up. This coming up next on the Final Inspection Show.
And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you get your 2020 season passes now at GreatLakesDragway.com and along with their Facebook page, Great Lakes Dragway, for one of the best deals in racing. So get your 2020 season pass now. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from FrontStretch.com, it is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the show, sir. I am happy to be here, Mr. Zotke, because we're not talking about a memorial for a driver this week. And I was so worried on Monday afternoon that that what might be what this segment was all about. Well, I want to, there's another a component of it that I want to talk about. And um, it, it, it's, it, uh, how can I say this? Um. I understand uh, the rules with releasing medical information and whatnot, but it, it almost it, it was really surreal because of the information was so slow to leak out and no information, not even while well, he's breathing, he's he's not, you know, nothing. And just what what what's your what's your opinion of that, or what what feedback can you give us on that? Because we've both been at tracks uh, where the worst has happened, I think. And, and, uh, and there's certain protocols that are followed. I know we had, we had that, we had a dreaded folder at the Milwaukee mile in case something happened. There's protocols you follow. People have to be notified this and that. Now, you know, it was very, very surreal uh, Monday night. Dennis, what's your feedback on that? Yeah. Anytime there is a serious wreck at the track, um, you go based on worst-case scenario at first when the driver is not responsive. And, and I think that's what this was all about. But the first report that we got, it was like people didn't want to hear the best of what it, what it was. When, when it was said serious but not life-threatening injuries, how many people were sitting there going, yeah, right? You know, it's just it's almost like we were in denial that we were getting good news because we saw the dreaded black screens go up. But that's not necessarily that's not necessarily. I mean, yes, he's not dead, but that could mean a lot of things, too. Is he paralyzed? Oh, absolutely. Is he? I mean, how bad is it? I mean, there could be a lot. There is a that all that says is there's a heartbeat. That's it. Yeah, and, and you start jumping to conclusions yourself because you start sure. thinking of a Robert Wickens or a Jerry right. Nadeau or a Steve Park. And then when less than two days later, you see this man walking out on his own power with his kid in, in, in sock feet, which, of course, you know, threw a, was just done to throw a jab at Chuck Norris. I'm convinced of that. Um you know, you've got this situation where you go, what in the heck am I watching here? I, I was stunned because while I understood he was not going to die, I am absolutely shocked and pleased and thrilled that he doesn't appear to have any serious injury that he's going to take forward from this day forward. Of course, we do understand the dangers of concussion and CTE and all these other things that can manifest themselves. 
down the road. We've lived that with Dale Earnhardt Jr. recently. So we know that while all the news is great right now, that we're going to just keep our fingers crossed and keep, you know, on our knees praying, you know, and, and that's the other thing is, I'm, you know, there's almost this divine intervention. It wasn't your time to go type of craziness. When you look at the intensity of that wreck, for him to walk out of the hospital two days later um, it just says so much about, you know, we're always complaining about NASCAR is not doing enough on this. They didn't do enough on this. They didn't do enough on that. That was the whole thing back in 2000 when we lost Kenny Irwin Jr. and Adam Petty within six weeks, that NASCAR wasn't doing enough. They weren't doing enough. All of a sudden, after 2001, when Earnhardt died, they caught religion in a big way. They were already working on stuff, but it was going too slow. Now, all of a sudden, you lose your biggest star. You go on fast forward of changing things in a hurry, but only because you're changing them in the right direction. And they got back to the NASCAR of old, where if there's an incident, if there's a problem, we re-engineer a, a change to the car to make sure that problems can't happen. And ironically, the man that was involved, Ryan Newman, his idea or his accident led to the Newman bar, which was even his suggestion that may have even saved Corey LaJoy's life, which is the other thing in this that we're not even thinking of. We have gotten so complacent in NASCAR racing that nothing bad can happen this kind of let us know that maybe it still can. And then it fast forwards two days later and says, yeah, this racing is pretty safe. You know, it's, it's safer than we even thought. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Right after the incident, we heard a lot about we need to change the rule package. We need to do this. We need to get rid of plate racing or this type of racing. It's not technically plate racing anymore. It's like a tapered spacer. But – the problem is the same. You don't let drivers finish a pass. And unfortunately, you've made rule packages at the mile-and-a-half tracks that also take away the ability to finish a pass, which sets you up for more wicked accidents just at 160 to 175 miles an hour you know, rather than at 200. Did you see the um, uh, Nate Ryan, Kyle Petty interview? Earlier this week. No, I missed that. Okay. Uh, Jeff, is that ready? Yeah, I've got it queued up here, Steve. All right. Uh, he brings up an interesting point here. Uh, uh, let, 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 let's listen to Kyle Petty for a second here. Two dozen people. Do we, is there a selective memory uh, among people in the NASCAR industry, do you think? And it, like you said, maybe, like maybe you kind of close these things off and you don't think about them again until until it's in your face. Well, happening now. I, I I say this, um, and, and I've said this before, so this is, drivers are strange people anyhow. And, and you always think it's going to happen to somebody else. It's never going to happen to you. And even if we go back to Adam and to Kenny Irwin and, and Tony Roper and then ultimately Dale Sr., um, and I was Adam's father, but you could 
you you came up with excuses that made it okay for you. You have to rationalize yeah, it. Yeah, that right. wouldn't, you know, I, I would never let that happen or that's not going to happen or I hate that happening or this was not, you know, that you just, whatever it is, you, you just do. And then you get into a situation where so many times and, and you know, we see, and, and, and we talked about, you see Brendan gone flip down the backstretch land on his wheels and then they do an interview with him and they're all laughing and joking about it. Right. Um, and, and, you know, if we really look at it, the, and you talk about Nadu and you talk about Kyle Bush's wreck right. at, at Daytona, right. um, you know, it hit him in the, the inside wall and then they come back and they fix that. So then boom, it's out of your head again. You know what I mean? So it's that, but we've really had more fans injured than we have drivers. When, when you, when you look at some of the situations that we've had. So from this side of the fence, from the garage area side of the fence, you begin to say, yeah, we're all invincible. All right. Um, Dennis, reaction on that? He couldn't have said it. I couldn't say it any better than he did. And this goes back way back into the 60s and 70s when you would read about a driver dying like once a month in national speed sport news. And you still have that same mentality of it's not going to happen to, to my guy. It's not going to happen to me. These guys are supermen. Bad things happen at the track. And all you can ever do is to keep evolving the vehicle and the safety equipment. Thank God for Bill Simpson, Jim Downing, and, and guys like that in yeah. seeking who have come up with these amazing things that make a crazy dangerous sport, somewhat less dangerous, but it'll always be an inherently dangerous sport, and we always have to expect the worst. All right, here's one more cut I want to play, Dennis. Well, if they are, it would. De it's definitely understandable. But listen, I'm not criticizing any any kid that drives and and has that attitude. I'm not. Um, but it's almost like, and and this is gonna this is, this will show show my age. Um, it's almost like they believe they're in a they're eye racers. They believe they're in a video game. You know what I mean? And they believe. I mean, not a total criticism, but Ross Chastain that move he made going into turn one that's video game material right there, dude. Right. You don't run down across the flat and back up into the, to the lead of the Daytona 500. Just doesn't happen. Okay, so when when you look at it, you they are flipping about it. But but here's what happens too. And, and I think we talked about this, you know, is I push you and then you push me and you know what? Everything, everything's good. Next time I push you a little harder. Next time you push me a little harder, we bump a little harder. We get a little bit more aggressive and you just keep going and going and going. And there's no check because every time we go, nobody gets hurt. No harm, no foul, no harm, no foul, no harm, no foul, no harm, no foul. And then all of a sudden we have something like this. Now, do we learn from this? Or do we just go to Talladega and another three or four months and say, Dodge one at Daytona. Right. You know, we're good for another 15 or 20 years. Dennis, is that the situation we're in right now? Yeah, I, I do believe so. Uh, these drivers of today have not buried enough of their fellow drivers to have as much fear and respect for the danger of the sport. However, if you think about 1976, Daytona 500 finish or the 79 finish, we had guys take each other out in a dangerous way back then, and those guys 
were used to burying their friends several times a year. So some of it is this modern knowledge of I'm safe in my cocoon, I can do crazy things. But the other is the driver mentality that's always been there. I'm going to beat you no matter what it takes on that last lap or in this key situation. And that's what leads to a lot of mayhem as well. All right, Dennis, we certainly appreciate it. What's the latest at frontstretch.com and DMike Media? Oh, enjoying doing the power rankings over at Front Stretch. Anytime anybody gives me the ability to be snarky, I'm enjoying it. DMike Media side of things, I'm loving producing this new podcast. I'm working on the first edition to make sure it's perfect when it comes out next week for Speed Sport. My friends over there at Race Monitor and also on the uh, home front here, you know, what what a life. I go enjoy uh, ice racing with motorcycles, ATVs, and go-karts last night, and I'll be at the arena calling hockey tonight and getting paid for doing these, these crazy things. Um, you know, I, I think I got a pretty, uh, pretty lucky life going on, guys, so having a good time and, of course, love visiting with you guys on Saturdays here on the final inspection. It was great. Here in Sparky Pfeiffer again, too, today. All right, Dennis, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. In studio with the Polish Pipe Bomb, Jeff Orlowski, along with John Weedman from RacingNation.com. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, Eddie Lapine, also from RacingNation.com. Eddie, how are you doing today? Are you going to talk to John today, huh? Yes, you get to talk to John. What's up, Eddie? We're, we're going to continue, Eddie. Our, our uh, We've been playing uh, some excerpts that I thought were excellent. Uh, observations by Kyle Petty on Nate Ryan's podcast on the NBC Sports Network. And I want to play one more uh, thing here, and if you guys want to listen to it, and then we'll react uh, right after this. My granddad didn't like the way that my dad and Pearson and Baker and all those guys came along in the 60s. Didn't like the way those young guys raced. Those guys, they didn't like the way Earnhardt and Terry Labonte and Rusty Wallace and Mark right, Martin. Right. And those guys probably wouldn't like the way that some of these guys race today. It's just, that's evolution. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not a knock. That's just evolution. At the same time, there has to be some checks and balances to say, this is over the line. You know, this is, we need to back this up. We're going to Daytona and we're not going to bump draft. We're not going to touch each other. We've got to figure something out. Commonplace is a good word because th this was striking to me today. Corey LaJoy was driving the car that hit Ryan yeah. Newman while he was upside down and it, it would seem might have put him in a bad spot that, that led to him going to the hospital. This was Corey LaJoy. I want to get your, your take on this. He did an interview today on Sirius XM NASCAR radio, and he said this, I'm comfortable. It's what you sign up for. I think it's a testament to what NASCAR is learning and trying to keep these cars safe because that was the worst, worst angle of a crash, the worst area of a car to get hit on Monday night, the way Ryan Newman was, and for him to be literally walking out 36 hour, hours later, why would we change what many would consider the best form of racing that we have? In my opinion, we don't change a thing. We just keep learning from these wild crashes. 
especially with the next new uh, with the new next gen car coming in. Those cars are 30 to 40 percent safer than this. I'm excited to get into that car and continue to put on a great show for the France. That's that's Corey LaJoy talking. Yeah. And he was in the middle of, yeah. of this accident. And OK, so that's that's striking and, to me. And, and it's striking to me because of this. OK, and, and, and I will say it is if, if I look at and here's the thing. That's youth and testosterone talking in a lot of ways, saying the things that he thinks other drivers want to hear and the fans want to hear. We know that we sign up for it. That's the biggest line ever. Okay. We sign up for this. We know what it is. We know when we get in that car, what we do, what we sign up for. I knew getting in a car and going out and racing and watching people have accidents and, and fatalities coming up and being with my dad, that's, that's a distinct possibility. I lived with it as a kid, knowing your dad might not come back, you know? So that is, that, that's part of it. So you know that can happen to you, okay? You never think about being a part of somebody else, being in an accident where somebody else, that happens to somebody else. I'm not sure I could handle that, okay? And I think, I think you know, that's 180 degrees from the attitude and the comments he had post-race. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, you want to go back and say, okay, Ryan Dutton come out of the hospital. Now, is that what you signed up for? Ryan Dutton come out of the hospital. Do you think this is the best racing in the world? Ryan Dutton come out of the hospital. Do you think that car really is 30 or 40% safer? You know what I mean? And can you go out and perform? You know, could a Ryan, could a, could a, 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 a Corey LaJoy, could a, a Ryan Blaney go out and perform the same way this weekend if that had been a fatality? And my answer is going to be no. All right, Eddie Lapine joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. What are your, what, what's your thoughts on, on Kyle's Petty's remarks there? Well, I think it, it, it really bodes well for the way the sport has changed because I remember when I first started covering racing and, you know, how dangerous it was back then when they were going to speeds and now we're, you know, fast forwarding 30 years later and NASCAR is trying to give the fans what they want. And that's the pack racing. And I don't think it's the best thing for the sport. Uh, one thing that I've concerned myself with, what happens if a car goes in the stands? Yes. That would be my biggest, biggest fear and when you see how high Ryan Newman went, and if it was hit on another angle, and the car went into the stands, the greatest racing would be over with instantly. And that's my concern, that they're not looking. They're looking at great racing, and it's safe. And Kyle is exactly right. These guys would have been affected a different way if he was in a coma. And when you saw his post-race interview, it was totally different than what this podcast is reflecting. And, you know, I mean, I've raced with people over the years, too, and I've lost friends racing. And it does affect you. And, you know, you can try to cover it up with testosterone and say that's just part of the sport. Uh, but reality is, is it's going to affect you in certain ways. 
John, what do you and think? That's my take on it. Uh, yeah, I. It, it's just this pack racing. I mean, I I just don't like the pack racing, and have they been lucky? Has NASCAR been lucky? Well, I mean, are they just is it a, a no? Is it Russian roulette? I mean, because you, you I thought after the Austin Dillon crash, which was scary. Yeah. Not only for Austin Dillon, right? But, but the fans. Yeah, because a lot went and, through. And Kyle that. Petty later in, in in podcast mentioned, you know, there's more more fans have been injured than than drivers lately. That's not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden we're not talking about the car getting up in the air before. We used to be talking about that to put the roof roof flaps on and stuff like that. They're not talking about the cars getting up in the well, air. Well, and anymore. that's in in there. That's kind of two different things because the cars are safer from an aero point of view. Those are physics. It physics and velocity is what's putting those cars. And you can all the aero you want isn't gonna flaps and everything. If you, if you have a car going at a certain velocity, another car hits it at a certain angle, it's going to go in that right. direction. So you can't stop that. Um, but yeah, it, it's and I you know I mentioned you know with, with with Sparky earlier on the show with seventy six and seventy nine those cars they wrecked and whatnot, but you didn't have that second car and, that, and that's where the issue is coming in. Same thing with Austin Dillon. Right. Same thing with Carl uh, uh, Edwards at Talladega. Cars, you know, cars will get in the air, this and that. Cars will hit the wall, fine. But it's that second hit that's so dangerous. And that's the thing. It's not the speed. It's not the pack. It's the pack at speed yep. where there's no time to do anything. You can have these big wrecks at Bristol. They're not going fast enough to, to have this right. happen. The drivers are in a cocoon. They are safe inside the car. And and this has proved that, yes, these cars are safe and then the new cars are supposed to be safer and everything because of the cocoon. But – Multiple hits from these cars coming in this pack with no time. That's, I think, the problem. Jeff? Yeah, I agree. The pack racing, uh, you know, the second hit is definitely a big part of it. My problem with uh, with the plate racing, tapered spacer, whatever the hell you want to call it, there's no driver talent in there. You just pedal to the metal and, and you, you keep your fingers crossed. And I would like to see the best car, the best driver, uh, as long as it's not Kyle Busch every single week, uh, you know, take home the checkered flag, and that's just not what you get now. Eddie, what says you? Well, I think uh, if Ryan Newman looked at the tape later, if he would have just stayed there, he would have got pushed across the finish line and probably won the race. So, I mean, they have to make a split decision in the pack racing. And when those split decisions are the wrong way, this is the end result. And when you take a car and it's, it's jeopardized on the first blow and then it's sitting out there and you have 30 more cars coming, you're opening yourself up to getting hit. And if you look in the past, that's when most of the damage is done to somebody, as in, you know, having somebody killed. Jeff? when it's hit the second time or injured permanently, you know, I mean, that's, that's inevitable. When, when that car is exposed and it's sitting out there and it gets hit by the 30 place car and it can happen. And I mean, I think, I mean, and if you talk to everybody, I mean, like Kyle, what he said about they need to reevaluate this. The fans want pack racing. You know, and a lot of fans don't want stage racing. 
but they're still doing it. And they need to look at the big picture. And I'll go back to what I said before. When If something happens where one of these cars goes in the stand, remember when Petty flipped along the front stretch? Uh-huh. You know, what was it, like 10 or 15 times and tore the whole fence down. And, I mean, once... And, and they have done amazing things to make everything safer for the fans. But you just said that fans are getting hurt, and fans should not get hurt at a race. They're there to watch, not to go to the hospital. Well, let's, let's switch gears, Eddie. You have a, a very busy March coming up. Tell us what's coming up next on RacingNation.com and uh, when, uh, when you'll be signing in uh, in the next couple of weeks here. Well, we got uh, Amelia Island, where Roger Penske is going to be honored, and it's the 25th anniversary of Amelia Island. And it's, I mean, Bill Warner and his amazing cast of characters have done, I mean, an unbelievable job the last few years, but I think they're going to take it to a new level. Uh, I'm told that there's going to be 30 Penske cars there. And that, to me, is, yeah. I mean, and then... The following week is St. Pete, and then we head to Sebring. Wow. And uh, it's a busy month. Spring is in the air, Eddie. We certainly appreciate everything you do, and make sure to check out his stuff along with Jack Webster's uh, great photography at RacingNation.com. Eddie, we look forward to chatting with uh, with you again in the, uh, in the upcoming weeks. Thanks a lot, guys. You have a great weekend. All right. We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to talk some more racing on the Final Inspection Show coming up next. your engines it's time to talk about all things racing nascar indycar sports cars and formula one this is the final inspection show presented by the legendary great lakes dragaway in union grove now here's your host steve Saki. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke along with the Polish Pipe Bomb, Jeff Orlowski in studio, and John Wiedemann from RacingNation.com. And uh, make sure you check out GreatLakesDragway.com online uh, for their 2020 season passes where you can get them now, one of the best buys in racing. Also check them out on Facebook at the uh, Great Lakes Dragway on Facebook. And you can also, there should be a link on there also, that will direct you to their gift shop and get those 2020 season passes good all year long. And also you can check us out also TFI, uh, the final inspection show on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. Me, you can follow Steve Zotke, Z-A-U-T-K-E. And Jeff, how do we follow you? Jeff underscore Orlowski, no W, O-R-L-O-S-K-I. And uh, John? Pretty much just check out racedation.com. There you go. Yep. I like that. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, a man who is who is underground when it comes to social media, uh, but we don't mind. It is Guy Hobbs, who is our IndyCar expert. Welcome to the show, Guy. Well, thank you. Glad to be a part of it. <laughs> so, and, and you're right, I am underground. <laughs> underground. <laughs> and uh, it's only 22 days until the season opener in St. Pete. And... Uh, uh, the the cars this year are certainly going to look a bit different, aren't they? 
they're certainly going to look a little different, uh, and they, they certainly sound a little different. However, I think the show is also going to be different and will be very exciting. So when um, with St. Pete coming up and Indy, uh, I, I think one of the best things that happened in IndyCar last year was everything was consolidated onto one broadcast network, that's NBC, and they're setting up once again for expanded coverage. One thing I always enjoyed going back to, if you want to call it the heyday for many in uh, when it comes to IndyCar and Carton, uh, was coming home after work uh, on a weekday and watching uh, ESPN and their daily coverage at uh, Indianapolis. And that's you can do that once again with the NBC Gold Package uh, with, with online. And the online content and expanded coverage has certainly changed the world of uh, auto racing and motorsports. You can pretty, check out, pretty much check out anything you want, can't you, guy? It certainly can online. And, of course, all the drivers in particular now, they're all so accessible to... I mean, before, you, if you wanted to talk to somebody or get a word with any driver, you had to set it up a day ahead of time, and then they maybe, if they had time, they would talk to you. Now, of course, they're all wide open, and they're all uh, texting and emailing and online and Twittering the entire time. So, I mean, you can pretty much talk to anybody you want any time now. And they're all open. They're, the, the great thing about the... I know, I know this happened years and years ago. Is They had a meeting with all the drivers, it must be 15 years ago, and they said you need to make yourselves much more accessible to the media if you're going to get any kind of recognition or acknowledgement. And that's certainly something IndyCar has addressed and they've done, and they've done it very well. And um, you see people on there um, all the time. And just I get Twitter messages nonstop from in fact, I've had to ask them to stop sending them to me. <laughs> and one of those guys who's who's done a very good job of that is James Hinchcliffe, and uh, he picked up a ride uh, this year with Andretti Autosport, didn't he? Yes, I think he's doing um, well. He's doing Indianapolis, and I think he's doing just the just the road courses. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and I also. I just read somewhere yesterday. I think someone's picked up a, a deal to do just the oval courses. So, uh, but I, I need to check in on that. I, 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 it was a quick read. <laughs> well, I'm in Elkhart Lake, so everything's quick. <laughs> How's the weather up there today? Well, it, it's lovely. It, it's one of those fake days when you look out the window and you go, "Gosh, look at that blue sky and lovely sunny weather." And then you look at the people walking by in their hats, coats, earmuffs, and snow sleds as they go by. <laughs> you know, uh, I, can, I can actually hear a lot of. There's, I think there's some kind of snowmobile event going on at the Sheboygan Marsh this weekend, and I can hear them racing out there too. So I'm in a, a semi-rural area. You hear the droning of the snowmobile engines in the distance. So that's um, a. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of the Odd Couple. I love the movie, and I love the the, the old series uh, with with Felix and Oscar. Is there more of an Odd Couple guy in in IndyCar than Sebastian Bourdais and AJ Foyt? Uh, I, I can't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't think of one. Uh, although actually, AJ Foyt did. I, I, I'm trying to think who it was now, but a number of years ago, same thing. He had a. I think it was a another French driver drive for him 
And at the time, everybody was like, this is just not going to work. And sure enough, it, it didn't work. Uh, but no, I can't imagine two completely different personalities, characters, and, you know, AJ, of course, being from uh, Ovals and USAC and American Racing and everything, and Sebastian Bourdais coming in, speaking French, having snails for dinner after. <laughs> uh, AJ's got to look at him and go, weirdo. But, but he's quick. But, of course, um, he's getting old now, as far as the series is concerned. For Sebastian, that uh, is, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Well, AJ's been old for a long time. <laughs> uh, but, but Sebastian, I mean, these days, it seems like to me, you've got to be about 21, 22, and by the time you're 26, you're done. It almost seems that way. Uh, with McLaren coming into the series... Uh, how how big of a deal is that for IndyCar? Uh, that's just funny you should ask. You would think with McLaren and their worldwide uh, following, uh, particularly obviously in England, and uh, it would generate some kind of interest. But I mean, I speak to my friends back in England all the time and talk about IndyCar, and, and they're just half of them still don't even know what IndyCar is. So I'm hoping that the McLaren connection uh, will generate some more interest there. But even the Formula One has lost interest in England as far as um, viewerships and mm -hmm. crowds uh, quite largely. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't know why, whether it's the coverage or whether it's just the racing is not that exciting. Uh, but of course, the IndyCar racing is so exciting. And there's, I mean, there's more overtaking on in one lap in, in, in IndyCar than there is in a season of Formula One. So uh, what's happened in England, or well, particularly in Europe these days, it seems to me that the saloon car, or, um, sports car, mm -hmm. has has taken over. And you can go, uh, you know, for a race weekend, 20 bucks to the Silverstone or Brands Hatch, and you can watch three great races over the course of a weekend, and there's 30 cars involved and there's lots of banging and crashing and spinning and punch-ups afterwards and and then everybody gets together and has a cup of tea and goes okay see you next weekend you know you know there was two kind of f1 indycar renaissances of course of the mid-60s with jimmy clark and graham hill yoke and rent who came over jackie stewart uh you know with lola and lotus and everything there's a lot of uh crossover between the two and then the second one was in the, in the early 90s when you had Nigel Mania, you had Emerson Fittipaldi over here, and, and several other drivers, and even you know, to a lesser amount, uh, Mark Blundell and Guzman and those kind of guys. Um, are, is that something way, that we could be seeing again in the near future? Is this a, a way for maybe IndyCar to capitalize on that with, with F1 kind of in a, you know, Let's face it, Mercedes has just taken over the series. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, when, when you go into it, you're wondering, you know, how much is Lewis Hamilton going to win by this week? Or, you know, is Botas going to be able to do something? Is is this a an opportunity for IndyCar to make a little bit of a move? Not not to not to challenge F1, but just maybe siphon off a, a few of the fans? I, I, it, I mean, it certainly is a great opportunity. Um and not to slam IndyCar, but when I was working with ESPN and Speed Channel and covering 
IndyCar. And it, at the time, we were going to 110 nations, the international ESPN international feed. Uh, but it, uh, And we would speak to the director of the domestic show, the, the American show, and we would say, could we please see some more? I know they're at the back, but could we please see more of Mark Blundell and people like that, Mauricio Guzman? Um, and, of course, they said, no, no, the Americans aren't interested. And we kept saying, well, we're going to 100-and-something countries, and all these people are very interested. Mm-hmm. And until you give them someone, you know, they're not going to follow, I hate to say it, but they're not going to follow Marco Andretti or... Um, Hinchcliffe or people like that particularly because they A, they don't know them and they haven't seen them coming up through the ranks and coming over to America. I, I think obviously the Indianapolis 500 still has its mass appeal um, but the, some of the other races just not. I, I, and of course we've seen that domestically too. For example, the Milwaukee Mile you know, where that race disappeared for a while. and But, it, but it's still... Milwaukee Mile is probably some of the best racing IndyCar ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, is that somebody, does Marcus Erickson or, or uh, Alexander Rossi, who has Formula One experience, I mean, there's there, there still fans out there that are kind of wondering, you know, well, let's see what he, they can do in, form, or in IndyCar. Is that, does that move the I, meter at all? I, I think Alexander Rossi certainly does, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm not so sure about Marcus Erickson, but I mean, England, in particular, is such a racing nation. They, they can't get enough racing, whether it's Formula Ford uh, on a local level at Alton Park in a rainy, windy, crappy afternoon, or whether it is Formula One. I mean, they're out to watch all forms of racing. And, of course, if they've got someone to root for, it makes a huge difference. And that's, you know, when, like you mentioned, Nigel Mansell, when he came over, at that point, the IndyCar ratings in England were higher than the Formula One ratings for quite some time. Um, unfortunately, a certain Mr. Eccleston didn't like it so much, and they pretty much had the kibosh put on the IndyCar coverage in Europe. Um, but, it, I, I mean, there's plenty of viewers out there, and people follow, obviously, their local guy, and it's the same as if Aaron Rodgers was to go to some other team, I'm sure it would be a bunch of Wisconsin people, just like when Brett Favre left, that follow Aaron Rodgers, not so much the Packers, you know. All right, let's take a quick break here, uh, Guy. We'll hold you over for one more segment here. When we come back, we'll be talking about uh, uh, some more news coming up in the IndyCars and what's coming up up next on the Final Inspection Show. Back to the final inspection show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Guy Hobbs. Guy, welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, I, this is one one story in the IndyCar side that kind of intrigues me. And we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, and that's uh, uh, Scott McLaughlin for the uh, Australian Supercars driver, uh, champion driver, in fact, with Team Penske. 
who tested uh, with the captain at, uh, uh, I think it was Sebring or Circuit of the Americas, very, very fast right off the bat. And now it looks like he's going to be running the Indianapolis Grand Prix. That's on the road course before the 500. And, uh, guy, that's a, it's a pretty interesting story. And as we said last week, you know, Penske doesn't do anything just on a whim. So he, he, he must have seen something in this driver, didn't he? Uh, he's obviously seen something in him. and Or if Roger hasn't seen something in him, one of his men has seen something in him. Um, but all the way back to where he, Roger, picked out Mark Donahue back in 1969 or 1970 or something. He he can spot talent. We know that. He's had Helio Castroneves for a number of years, and we've known he's very good. Um, and, and he obviously, if he, he he realizes if he doesn't have the, what he needs for IndyCar, Roger can give it to him, basically, and train him to become the next, hopefully, IndyCar champion. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with, with him. And, I, yeah, I just think, uh, you know, with with, with – I, I I love stories like this. I love uh, seeing uh, John, uh, a, a, a kid that can go from one series to another almost seamlessly and be fast right off the bat. Uh, in the old days, I talk about the old, old days, because drivers used to go from series to series to series, and, and sure. possibly on, in one weekend even run two or three different series. Or in England, it's so small, it's, they would possibly run one race on a Saturday at one track and a completely different track, completely different car on the Sunday and just run between the two circuits. So it's now it's good to see these people coming from other disciplines and hopefully running more than just one discipline. Uh, it's got to the point where they, the drivers have now become, okay, this is what I drive. I don't drive anything else. And then we used to see a lot of them come and maybe do the 24 hours of Daytona or go over and do the 24 hours of Le Mans, but now that, now they're even getting specific where they're not going to do those series either anymore. And guy, it seems like one, we're, we're one getting. Guy I'd really like to see in IndyCar would be Jordan Taylor. Yes, yeah. I, I would love to see him get an opportunity. Guy, it seems like we're getting some some drivers from from Europe. Definitely, IndyCar is getting interest from them. Is is there any guys that you see this year that are going to maybe kind of surprise us, pop up and and Maybe do something like what Colton Herta did last year. From Europe, you're saying? Well, you have some of these new guys that, that are in the series. Anybody at all? Yeah, any of the rookies that are coming in. Well, uh, no, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> not. There's, there's no one that's standing out to me at uh, one particular moment now. Uh, years ago, there was a guy I picked. Um, called Hoover Orsi, and he had raced in the South American Formula 3 series, and he had dominated this series in a not a dominating car. And at the time, I said, this kid's going to be the next Formula 1 star. I think he won an Atlantic race at Milwaukee, didn't he? He won an Atlantic race in Milwaukee. Yeah. He, ended up, he ended up becoming a Formula 1 test driver. I think, I think it was for McLaren. Uh, and he obviously did something wrong, or he ran out of money, but he has basically gone back to farming in Argentina at this point. But he was I, I had my eye picked on him. Another guy I had some years ago was uh, 
uh, he's a du million, du million, Jean Philippe du million or something. Uh, he was a French Canadian driver in the IMSA series, and I thought he was fantastic. And I just found out the other day he's now running Canadian uh, cast car series. Oh yeah, okay. I thought for sure he was going to go on to be. So I guess my picks aren't that good. <laughs> Well, there's certainly there's there's certainly been a lot of drivers you see come up over the years. You think it's a it's a can't miss, and I mean that, that's true with anything. You know, how many times have we seen a guy that do well? You know, top guy in high school, he moves on to college, he goes, he does very well, but doesn't really make it in the pro level. And there's there's you know whatever uh, sport you're going into, you're going to certainly follow that. I'm trying to think of a driver I thought that was going to be a can't miss, but uh, one guy just popped into my head, uh, and I know a guy will remember this one was Mike Thackwell. He was a young oh. British driver who was everybody thought was going to be world champion, didn't they? Uh, they certainly did, and of course he cleaned up in the British Formula Three. I think he started off at uh, British Formula Ford, and he cleaned up in that series, and he did the British Formula Three series, and he cleaned up on that. And you're right. Everybody thought that's it. this guy's going to go on to become world champion. I think the only time you read about Mike Thackwell now in England is if you get fish and chips and it's wrapped up in newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, in fact, he actually uh, had drove an Indy car for uh, Roger Penske for a race. I forget what track, but I think I want to say '84. This was after Amir's got injured at San Air, and they had a, they were bringing in a multi multiple guys to replace them for the, through the end of the year. But yeah, there's all certain, a lot of, a lot of drivers like that. That's, that just kind of flame out, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. And I don't know why it is that they flame out, whether it's, um, they don't have the sponsorship or of course you upset the wrong person and then you're just immediately out anyway. Um, well, there's the it's politics not, too, guy, isn't it? I mean, how how important is that in 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 especially in Europe? The the, the politics of racing there is so very important. And you look like a guy, uh, um, you know, so many times we've we've had drivers that just for whatever reason weren't able to navigate the the rough uh, politics of of the upper echelons of Formula One. Isn't that true? Uh, well, yes, the, the politics is the. the but the political games that go on are just incredible. Tommy Byrne is one guy, right? Well, <laughs> he's a classic example. Of, uh, but I think there might be slightly more to his story. Yes, that's uh, true, uh, though. <laughs> it, it, he didn't help himself. Uh, Tommy Byrne, for those that don't know, he was I mean, he won the Indy Lights Championship uh, twice, I believe. He won everything in Europe. Uh, he's written a great book. And he came over to America to be make his fame and fortune. And, and actually, he had a test drive for Formula One. And he said the wrong thing to the wrong person, uh, that person being Ron Dennis. And that was it. Ron Dennis told him there and then on, on the pit lane at Silverstone at the test, said, you will never drive in Formula One ever again. And sure enough, he never did drive in Formula One ever again. Yeah. This book. Uh, he, he's still hanging on, and I speak to Tommy every now and again. He's still hanging on, um, still sort of involved in racing a little bit. He's and, an instructor, I think, right, at Mid-Ohio? Well, he, the last time he, I heard. He, he's an instructor at the Mid-Ohio School, and he also does some 
outside work for, I think, Porsche um, at various locations around the country as, a, as an instructor. When you get your new Porsche and he shows you how, how to drive it. Properly, yes. Crash yeah, and Burn is the book. Go to Amazon.com. It's, I highly, highly recommend it, especially... It, it, Especially it's one of those reads. It's one of those reads where you open up, you read the first page, and you go, "Well, no wonder the guy didn't make it." <laughs> and then, and then as you go on, it's like, "Oh my god!" This. I mean, I I worked with Tommy for a number of years, and I knew him for I've known him for years, and half the stuff I, uh, I did not know until I read the book. And then when I read the book, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> Crash and burn is the book, and it's burn like his last name B Y R N E, and then D. Uh, crash and burn. Uh, get get the book. Just just a chapter on him racing open wheel cars in Mexico is worth the <laughs> price of admission for that book. It's incredible the stuff that was going on down there. So yeah, make sure uh, you check that out. It's a good read. So guy, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and look forward to chatting with you again. Uh, thank you for having me on. It was my pleasure. All right. And if anyone feels like coming up to Elkhart Lake. Bring a shovel. <laughs> Thank you. That was Guy Hobbs on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit GreatMidwestBank.com today. Simply local lending since 1935. Coming up next, we're going to have three questions with Larry on next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Back to the final inspection show, Steve Zotke, along with the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski, John Wiedemann, joining me in studio from RacingNation.com. And uh, we were talking in, during the break amongst ourselves about the stinker of a race last night at Vegas, which was actually not bad from, like, third place throughout the field. But at the, at the pointy end of the field, it was kind of boring because you had Kyle Busch in the race, who is, says he's not going to run uh, in the lower series anymore but i like i said the hometown boy running vegas i guess that's okay if they want to see the homeboy hometown boy stink up the race that's fine uh and then uh there's we got some uh, news this morning don't we uh jeff yeah kevin harvick sent out a tweet and said uh i'd like to make this fun i'll put up a fifty thousand dollar bounty for any full-time cup driver who races a truck and can beat kyle bush in his next four races. And then uh, you had Marcus Lamonis. Yes. He has matched it. So Camp, now. Camping it, World CEO. Now it's a $100,000 bounty uh, for any full time cup driver that can beat Kyle Bush in, uh, in his next four truck races. Wouldn't you want to have a regular. John, wouldn't that be better if we just had a full time truck series driver? Wouldn't it be yeah. better? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the they're, ones that need the money, right? I mean, why why give a cup guy more money? Let's let's get Larry Janicek on this, on on this joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Larry, should should that money go to a full time series truck driver or should it be a, a cup guy? Well, 
I'm just thinking as a promoter, I think that uh, it would be better if it was a cup guy because it would gather more interest for, for the race in that uh, that manner. See, this is why we have Larry I, I on the, the show. I, thanks. It makes uh, sense. I know he's going to race at... Uh, He's going to race a truck at uh, California, I believe, but I can't remember where the other three tracks are. I know one of them is not Phoenix, which that would have been a great place if I could have got Larson a ride there. Yeah, that would be good to see. Yeah, I think Larson, that would be interesting to see Larson do it. I'd love to see Larson do it. Yeah, or even for sure. But, you know, Christopher Bell, no, he's a full-time guy. Yeah, he's full-time. Yeah. Yeah, be interesting. No, they, that's yeah, another but... great one. Yeah, but he's not going to get one of Kyle's trucks. No, he's not. <laughs> no, no, no. But he could sure uh, gather a good one up from somebody, I would think. Well, it has to be a Toyota, though. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Interesting. So let's play three questions of Larry. Hit me with the first one, Larry. What do you got? Okay, here you go. You guys did a great job covering a lot of the Daytona stuff really well and with the guests you had, but I've got one here. Do you think that uh, this was heard in the Roush camp when they got back to Livonia. What's Matt Kent's phone number and his availability? You think there was any thought about Matt having uh, Matt come back and drive for uh, Ryan Newman while he's out? No, he would want too much money. They're looking for somebody cheap. Uh, That's a good uh, point. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, especially after that crash, too, you don't think uh, the wife would have something? I mean, I I think I I I said I texted this to somebody later in the week. I said there's a lot of uh, Cup Series wives having some very serious talks with some uh, drivers, and mm. especially when you look at Jimmy Johnson. You don't think Jimmy Johnson wants to just wouldn't rather just pull off right now and just say I'm done, I'm out yeah. of here. I believe so. Yeah. yeah, for the kind of money he's made, he doesn't need to stick around for. Uh you know, an extra 20 million. I think he's wanting to do it to say goodbye to the fans the right way. But that Kensa thought is a good one, especially with them racing at Vegas this week. That would have been a good guy to put in the car. That would have been. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very good thought. And I think he left there on pretty good grounds, didn't he? Yeah. Cause the, uh, the team was kind of in a decline and he was going mm-hmm. to, you know, Toyota was, you know, the better team. I mean, it made sense. And I think, I think he was probably at the time a little bit underpaid anyway. So, all right, question two, Larry. Okay. Uh, how are you going to handle this phone call this afternoon? Four or five big mogul guys from Hollywood calling you because you know a lot about racing and they tell you, you know, that Ford versus Ferrari movie went over really big, brought in a lot of money, got a couple of Academy Awards. What's the next? thing in motorsports driver race team or whatever that we should make a movie about what there's, would it be there's a lot of good stories out there uh there's been some discussions there is one of them was uh talking to and you'd have to do a lot of cgi obviously but the cgi is getting better is a uh, board track racing in the 20s it doesn't necessarily oh. have to be a racing movie but it could be a good story put in that genre of racing in that. And, uh, you know, as long as they don't, the problem is you don't want to go to CGI. There was that World War One movie. They made, uh, it turned into a video game. They did a real crappy job on it uh, about 
five, six years ago on World War One aviation. And they really, oh. I'm trying to think of the name of it, but <coughs> it was, uh, uh, it was a stupid name too. But anyways, um, no, there's a lot of good stories. I mean, you, you look even in the not too far. Well, I guess it's been 50 years, but uh, somebody like Jim Herdebees kind of overcoming the odds situation. Uh, a guy who got burned here in Milwaukee in 1964 was able to come back and win uh, on the NASCAR circuit and also win back at the track he, he got burned at and be able to do something that, you know, People said he he wasn't be it was wouldn't be able to do. Al Zanardi is another one. Uh, just any any of the the drivers, uh, a story of a, the, you know, the the overcoming odds uh, situation. You know, I think would be good. Jeff, do you have any that kind of come to, come to mind? No, uh, I just hope that there's more. And uh, you know, Ford versus Ferrari was fantastic, and. Uh, you know, wildly, wildly entertaining, and I think that it deserved uh, more awards than it got. So I just hope they make more and they're not as stupid as that Sylvester Stallone one. <laughs> sure. So so no Driven 2? Uh, no, thanks. I'll pass. Days of Thunder 2? No, that one was <laughs> awful as well. <laughs> Days, of, Days of Thunder could have been very, very well. It could have been great, but, you know, I watched it. I don't know, maybe six months ago, and that movie did not age well at all. No. It's just, it's an absolute joke. I saw, uh, there was a movie like that I saw the other couple of weeks ago. I watched it, and I really liked it. I hadn't seen it in 20 years. I'm like, whoa, this thing has not aged well at all. I mean, they're doing Top Gun, a, a new version of Top Gun. They could I saw do the an, trailer. A, they could do another version of, of Days of Thunder. The trailer looked pretty wild, but then again... You know the, the the thing you have to worry about a trailer is maybe those are the That's only it. good parts <laughs> in, it's in one minute trailer. Movie. So yeah. <laughs> well, here's my prediction on that, Larry. There are going to be several racing films made, and they're probably going to be bad. Unfortunately, I liked your uh, suggestion of Zanardi because it covers a lot of. You know, he was in Formula One. He's a European. Uh-huh. He uh, that's a great story, uh, and he's done. So many great things since the accident. I think that would be a really good one. Who do you play okay, him? Who fine. do you have play him? Oh gosh, somebody. I have, I have Sylvester no Stallone. No, <laughs> we just went through that. <laughs> All right, Larry. What else do you got? Okay, here's the third one. What do these companies have in common? K Seal, Tenda. L-I-U-N-A, Liuna, uh, Hallmar, and Champion. I have and, no... And it has to, has to deal with racing. The only one Anybody? I... Uh, Hallmar sounds like... Uh, that was a, wasn't that was that the helmet maker in the 60s? Uh, no, no uh, that was that... Uh, uh, you know... Uh, yeah, he was inducted in the Sprint Car Hall of Fame, and yeah. he was involved in helmets. No, all five of them were big time sponsors on in on the trucks that ran at Daytona. Yeah, and that's... champion was champion was actually on the winning truck, and the and the strange thing is, I knew nothing of any of them other than Helmar. A couple of years ago, I looked them up because they were sponsoring, and they still do. Uh, 
Oh, the kid from the really good modified driver, dirt modified driver, uh, uh, Friesen. Okay. And, and so all of these companies, they were very prominent sponsors on, on the trucks. In fact, Tenda was on uh, Johnny Souter's okay. uh, truck. And I just was really surprised that, uh, first of all, they're, they all are kind of smaller companies, and yet they uh, have the, the uh, I don't know, the money or whatever. I was kind of surprised that uh, those type of companies were sponsoring big time on the, on the truck series. And with this LIUNA, they're actually a labor union in, in uh, Canada. I, I just thought it was kind of interesting. And Champion, that was on the winning truck, is actually a competitor of uh, Generac that makes the uh, standby generators in Walshaw <coughs> County. Well, it was kind of nice at the Daytona 500 with the 88 car of Alex Bowman seeing the Valvoline on there. It was like seeing an old friend again because mm-hmm. so oh, many yeah. of these sponsors, you know, you don't, you know, back in the day, it was a big thing. I remember in the late 80s, uh, you had some companies, non traditional companies, come in like Crisco and Red Baron Pizza, and that was kind of a big thing. But you knew the product, and now you're seeing so many business to business. Uh, sponsors in racing. In fact, I would say that's the majority of them right now. Are just you know, business to business companies uh, that are involved in racing, and it's it's you know, I, I that's why it was kind of nice seeing Valvoline because you know, I also I said last week about the the accessory decals disappearing off the fenders mm-hmm. of the cars, but you know, and that 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 classic look of uh, Bowman's car looked good. You know, I just I've always I like the colors. Of Valvoline and that back in the day, and you know, think back to Neil Bonnet and some of the other drivers that drove those cars. You know, it was it's you don't see that too often anymore, Larry, don't you? Right. Yeah. That KCL, they're they're involved in uh, chemicals to for stopping leaks in radiator systems. Tenda. When I looked it up, it, the the first company that came up was not the Tenda. That was actually on the car. It had this tenda on the car. It had a really special uh, insignia on it, and the way they wrote it. And they they make horse care products. Oh, like main uh, and remember main and, main tail, and tail on Bobby yeah, Allison's right. yeah. car. Yeah, yeah. That's and, tenda uh, with a T, right? T is in Tom. Tenda, yeah. And yeah. it's a it's a special. It's a uh, kind of a uh, oh artist artist like T. It's not the normal T. Okay. Yeah, in Hallmark, they're in uh, he- they're uh, heavy civil engineering contractors uh, in uh, contractor management. They're fifty to a hundred million dollar a year a company, and they're really big with freezing in the trucks. And then they they sponsor his dirt modified uh, out east. And like I said, that champion is a competitor of Generac. So it's kind of a kind of interesting is the companies that. Uh, see their way into uh, sponsoring them. Evidently, they have all, all have their own ideas as to why they're putting their money into it. It certainly is. Well, Thank Larry, we, cer- doing it. we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and looking forward to chatting with you next week again, please. Okay, Z-Man, take care. All right, that was Larry Janicek in the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Has your passion outgrown your home? A Great Midwest Bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves. Visit greatmidwestbank.com today. 
Simply local lending since 1935. When we come back, we're going to talk with John Wiedemann from RacingNation.com. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Back to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, Great Lakes Dragway is closed this weekend as they are at the car show uh, down at uh, State Fair Park. Uh, but they have been open several the last two weeks for their winter drags with the snowmobiles. And when they're open, their gift store is open. So that's where you can get your 2020 uh, season tickets also there. So uh, make sure you stay uh, up on their Facebook page. And uh, they'll let you know uh, when they'll be open again at the track. And lots of stuff coming up this year. They got the Anarchy No Prep uh, uh, Drags on July, th- uh, the weekend of June 13th. You got the Midwest Truck Invasion once again in July. And uh, just all sorts of good stuff. The vintage Drags too. Memorial Day and Labor Day weekend. Just a lot of fun at Great Lakes Dragway. Joining us in studio, of course, is John Wiedemann, RacingNation.com. What's the latest at RacingNation.com? Uh, we're just getting the season fired up. I mean, we got De- Dennis Krause, the Madison Dennis. Madison Dennis. Dennis. One of the nicest guys, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got his uh, Motorsports Minute, um, so we got that every, every single day. Um, and then he's talking about ramping that up a little bit and doing maybe a little bit longer segments. So um, look for that kind of coming up pretty soon uh, once the racing season hits here a little bit more. Um, then we got, uh, you know, covering, covering the races as they go along. Got Joe, Joe Jennings was just out at Daytona. Joe's doing good. The hardest working guy in racing. Yes. Yeah. So it's awesome to have him, him out there. And then like you're talking, Eddie Lapine will always have some interesting stuff and, and on the road with Eddie and seeing where he's going and what he's doing and what's going on in the life of Eddie. That's always interesting. And the fantastic photography of Jack Webster. Yeah. Jack's got some awesome photography. Uh, looking through my notes here, I printed like 300 pages this weekend. Nice. Yeah, cut down a bunch of trees. Uh, Daniel Suarez, <clears throat> of course, misses Daytona in the 96 car, and uh, this week uh, Las Vegas. What What is redemption for Daniel Suarez, Jeff? Top 15. Oh, that'd be like a win, I think. Yeah. Uh, Just run all day, I'm thinking. You know, it. he's got to make... If he wants to even try, you know, to to get his name back up there, he's got to make one hell of a statement tomorrow. And uh, for me, that's top fifteen. Yeah, just running in the twenties isn't. He's just he's just going to fade away at that point. Yep. And what, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't finish the season if he just runs in the twenties all year. What, mm-hmm. what about Ross Chastain? Well, he's what already if, been quick. What if he wrecks? We probably will. <laughs> he wrecks a lot. Now, Ricky Stenhouse got into the doghouse for doing that. That's another reason why, I mean, I understand your point earlier, Jeff, about who else is there. But it's interesting, let, let's face it, you know, Stenhouse is in the 47 because he was wrecking a lot of cars. Right. And that's expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know we, I remember talking to, uh, you know, Racing Nation was on a couple uh, NASCAR cars back in the day. <laughs> and I remember talking to uh, Corey Stott. And and he was telling me when he had his uh his team in the Xfinity series, and it was like 
it was cheaper for them to buy a new chassis than to replace a front clip. Yeah, that's crazy. It, it was it was cheaper for them to buy use you know use rolling chassis than to have it repaired. Yeah, that's so, crazy. So I mean, it's just it, it. There's a lot of money involved, you know, especially for a. And it seems like it's worse if you're at the bottom end of the field because a lot of these with the with the bigger teams in that they have all that stuff in house. But if you're a smaller team, you know they're talking about Timmy Hill mm-hmm. with his Cup Series. It was kind of cool last night with him running that 56 truck, him making the race and everything. But they, I mean, if he didn't make the 500, they were going to shut the doors down. And so, you know, if when they wreck a car in that, it's it can be catastrophic. Because there's just, for one thing, there's not, not, not a lot of options for them. And the options there are, they're, they're quite pricey, aren't they? But, like I said, Ross has been running. He was in the top ten, I think, in both practices. I mean, if he keeps his nose clean, he could be the Alex, the next Alex Bowman and he, work himself into a ride. Exactly. And I think he needs to redeem himself from Daytona. I mean, let's face it, that was an asinine move he made. And I think if he runs all day... Gets a top, especially a top ten, mm-hmm. be competitive and shows that maturity. Uh, there was a situation last night in the truck race with uh, Lassard, who's running for Kyle Busch. They're going into turn three, four wide. He backed out. He, the rookie, who's only raced in I think seven truck series races, he's the one that showed. Well, wait, wait, let's hold on, let's just be smart about be this. Be smart. And, yeah. Let's race another lap. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um... He definitely can't get into another wreck, and uh, this is one of them tracks where there's so many different racing grooves, and it's very racy, and you can sit there and race yourself into trouble when you're going four wide uh, at, at the speeds that they're going out in Vegas. So uh, it, it's not going to be easy for him, but uh, but like you said, John, he does have he's shown speed so far this weekend, and um, you know a lot of stuff got rained out today, including including Cup qualifying. But, uh, you know, he definitely needs to keep defenders on. Who's the who's the guy we're looking for tomorrow in the Cup Series? Who's the guy who <coughs> you think is – I mean, we go into Phoenix, it's Kevin Harvick, you know. Daytona, going back to Daytona, Denny Hamlet is third win. He's right up there. I mean, he's not going to catch Richard Petty. Right. But – I mean, he's he's right up there. Next guy is uh, with four wins. I have it on here somewhere um, in my notes. You know, he, he, you know, he could be. I mean, that really pushes him up now for Daytona 500 wins. That's kind of impressive. But it's interesting. Richard Petty excelled at Daytona. Can you really say that about Denny Hamlin? Well, you know, he's not a dominant Daytona driver. But he puts himself in a good position, doesn't he, John? Mm-hmm. He's he's there at the end. I mean, that's yeah. that's the biggest thing to to get there at the end. I mean, it's just like I was complaining about before. You know, I in one of the. I mean, I mean, like so many different pools, it probably doesn't really matter. I'm going to get somebody that's going to do good or not do good. But you know, I got Keselowski, and it's like, oh, he's doing pretty good. And then Logano pushes whoever into Keselowski, and boom, he's in the wall and done. You know, somehow Hamlin's been able to be there. All these times, and then to win three out of five races—that's pretty amazing at this point. The way they're racing. Well, and two of his wins were the closest two Daytona finishes ever. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's definitely not dominating. He's getting by by you know the hair of his nose and all that, but uh, but he's getting it done. And you get three Daytona 500 wins, you're in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, I don't, I don't think it really matters what Denny does the rest of his career. He's walking into the hall when he's done. Does Kyle Bush have, or Kurt Bush, does he have an opportunity to finally win Vegas? No. Not legitimate. I don't know. You never know with that guy. You know, he, he looks like a Ford weekend, actually. He comes out of the woodwork every, you know, like twice a year. And uh, I, I just, I don't see Kurt getting it done. Him and Kyle haven't really had good luck at their home track. It was interesting. They had a, they had a graphic and Kurt Busch is 20 years in the series. Mm-hmm. Kyle Busch, 16. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Does it time fly? Yeah. Holy cool. cow. Because Kurt Busch had his first NASCAR win at Milwaukee. Yeah. At a Roush truck, 1999. Well, you remember when he just dominated Bristol year after year yeah. after year in that Sharpie car. Yeah. You know, you, you were going to Bristol, and you just knew, there's Kurt Busch. Mm-hmm. So who do you like this weekend, Jeff? Uh, I, I'm going to go with Blaney. I think uh, I think he's going he's to get it done. Yeah, a little redemption. But William Byron needs to uh, bounce back from his last place finish at the 500 as well. So mad at that. That was was my pick. Yeah, that was your pick. Taking out so early. That's what I'm saying. You make these these like fantasy drives interest in 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 these sports, right? So if you're doing fantasy racing at at Daytona, it's just you're probably not going to get anything out of it. Who do you like this weekend? I'll take Eric Emerald. I'll take a flyer on him. I'll take Byron again. What the heck? Yeah, why not? Although I kind of agree with you, it could be a Ford weekend now. What about all those Toyotas getting penalized? Yeah. You know, all had Bondo and stuff like yeah. that, trying to uh, trying to cheat a little bit. But, uh, you know, they uh, when they finally hit the track for practice, they weren't quick, but that won't, you know. Well, that's still the thing, bounce though, back too. By race it, time. You know, when, you, when you can check it that close, it just creates that much more problems. Holding penalties. Thank you for everybody who came on the show. Guy Hobbs, Dennis Michelson, Eddie Lapine, everybody. Thank you so much. John, thank you for making the Thanks trip. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, it was fun, the help, John. especially me fighting a little bit of the winter sickness here. We'll talk to you next week on the Final Inspection Show. Thanks, Sparky. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.